0: Scottish and Scared. I am Stephanie and before we get into it, if you guys listening have ever had any strange or unusual experiences, they do not have to be from here in Scotland or have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a gab, please email us at Scared at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod and if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share wherever you may be listening. Major thanks to everyone who already has. Well, hello, hello everyone. We are finally back. I will spare you the boring details about the last few weeks, but basically I have moved house. It is one of the most stressful experiences in my life and it is finally over, which means I can finally get back to doing what I love, bringing you people some unusual tales from right here in Scotland. If you follow us on Instagram you would have seen a week update, if not I will be pre-recording for the next couple of weeks because if any of you have moved house you will know that every other day there seems to be something that pops up needing fixed or looked at which just brings absolutely everything you had planned for that day to a screeching halt and everything is at the window. So pre-recording means that I will have an episode ready to go each week for you and if I do have to take the odd week off because of moving things it means that nobody misses out so I hope that's okay and you guys still enjoy I've also been asked to guest on a few other podcasts coming up in the next couple of weeks and months so that's pretty exciting and I'm looking forward to that and hopefully you all enjoy it too and listen in the episode that you're currently listening to I actually had to take down because the last 15 minutes of audio just completely disappeared no idea where it went couldn't get it back so, I had just had to pre-record, but when I sat down to pre-record, there seemed to be uh, an array of things that were just preventing that, such as my new neighbours who are currently renovating their house, so it is constant construction at all times of the day. I have a seagull who is taking up a nest on the roof of the house facing me, which I can see from my window, and um, just constant seagull noises the whole day. And I can hear the baby, there's, a, there's like a tiny wee nest right in the middle of the roof which I can, I've got a very clear view of the wee baby in the nest which, adorable, love, I watch it every single day when, when I'm working, but it screeches all day, it's mum and dad screech all day, all the other seagulls screech all day, so it was very difficult for me to find a time of day where it was quiet enough that I could actually sit down and record. So I'm currently sitting around to re-record this in the dead of night and this is probably when I'm going to be recording most of my episodes as it seems to be the quietest. Other than that I have absolutely nothing more to update you on or bore you with so why don't we just get right on into it. Today's episode is about a young woman called Marie Emily Fornario or Neta as she was known to her friends and family. And her story is a very strange one, as always, so let's just start from the very beginning, shall we? Netta was born in 1897 in Cairo, Egypt, but then moved to Italy with her mother Nora Edith Ling and her father Giuseppe Nicola Raimondo Fernario, which, that's a beast of a name. While they were in Italy, Netta's mother sadly passed away, and with her father not really being a constant in her life, she was taken into the care of her grandfather, Mr Thomas Pratt Ling, Now he was a very well-known and successful tea dealer and he took Netta to London to live in the family home. During the period Netta was living in London, there was a really big rise in secret societies and clubs where occult activities were being practised. This was very well known within the community and they were by no means a secret. A lot of the higher ranking members of these groups were also high ranking members of the community at the time, usually very wealthy and successful businessmen and women, so it was just a very common thing. Netta herself was very interested in these practices and became a member of the Alpha Omega, which is kind of like a branch off of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which, of course, was founded by the famous Mr Crowley. She was also an officer in a masonry lodge in West London that was accepting both male and female members at the time. And there were even talks that she was also a Rosicrucian. I might have pronounced that incorrectly, apologies if I did, which is an order claiming to have knowledge and esoteric wisdom that was handed down from ancient times. So, all in all, I think it's very safe to say that Neta was a very spiritual person, She was very interested in many different lifestyles and belief systems. She was also very open-minded because really the main reason that people join these groups is to learn many different ancient magical rites and just kind of get a different outlook on life. These include meditative trances, participating in various ceremonies and sometimes even summoning spirits and demons, which I personally find absolutely terrifying. Don't get me wrong, if you know me, you will know that I am into, I'm very much into the occult. I'm into the darker side of life, as cheesy as that sounds, is what people always say. Um, but the actual thought of actually making contact with, like, an angel or a demon that, or a spirit, that, 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 that proper terrifies me. Now, at the time, Netta was reading a book by her favourite author, William Sharp, which was titled I Own a. And Iona is an island in the Scottish Hebrides and in this book the island is described as a magical place where fairies run free among many other mythical creatures. Just to be side note, William Sharp would write under the pseudonym Fiona MacLeod. Just in case you do happen to go looking for this book and you can't find it, he did write under a pseudonym. After reading the book, Netta's curiosity was piqued and she decided that she wanted to go stay on the island and see if these things were true. If you've ever been to Iona, you will know it is somewhat of a spiritual place. It is known for that. It is known as the birthplace of Celtic Christianity in Scotland. And there is an abbey there that was established in year 563 by St. Columbus himself. And it actually still stands today. It is a very small island with a population of 200 people. And there's only really one small village where everything is kind of central and located. There's a school two hotels, a post office, a bishop's house and, of course, the abbey. So, a combination of the religious history and all of the folklore about this place does really make it such a beautiful place to visit and if you're into those kinds of things or you're just, you know, you have your your curiosities piqued, I would definitely give that island a little visit, um, even just to see the island itself because it is a very gorgeous place. According to some of Netta's close friends in the occult community, The reason that she was visiting this island was to do some deep self-healing because she was kind of getting a bit too deep into her practices and she was messing with things that she really didn't fully understand or she wasn't able to control. Her housekeeper back in London even received a letter from her stating she wouldn't be home anytime soon as she had a terrible case of healing to deal with. Like I said before, the island, it does seem like, even just Google Iona and even the pictures it just it does look like the kind of place where you could just go and chill and like ground yourself and just be alone it really does strike me as that kind of place the type the time of year that Nata landed on Iona was just at the end of summer so the island was starting to kind of slow down a lot of people were leaving a lot of businesses were kind of finishing up for the season so it was the perfect time for her to find somewhere to stay she managed to find lodgings with the McCree family. Now, some sources say a different family name. I've seen McCree, I've seen McLeod, I've seen... There was another one as well, but I'm, I can't remember. Obviously, I can't remember it. But I'm just going to go with McCree because that is the more common one that I've seen when um, looking into this. The family and Neta did go on pretty well for the most part, but they did report some strange behaviour from Neta from time to time. They said that sometimes she would have a distant look in her eyes and would even fall into a trance-like state while speaking in weird ramblings they really couldn't understand. They also claimed that all of Netta's silver jewellery just randomly one day started to turn black, which I did look into to see if this could indicate like some sort of witchcraft, like a curse or something along those lines. Um, You know how like here... Like old wives tales and stuff like that. I tried to look in and see if I could find anything about silver jewellery turning black, but I actually couldn't find anything like that. She was even seen wandering around the island, visiting all of the pre-Christian sites and nobody knew exactly what she was doing, but I don't think that's very unusual considering the fact that she was, that is why she was there in the first place. She was there to visit these sites and gain a wee bit more knowledge. You know further practices and stuff so I personally don't think that's that unusual but I can understand a small island with you know everybody knows everybody and then this random woman shows up just wandering about the island looking at fairy sites I can understand why I can understand why people would find that strange. On the 17th of November 1929 Miss Becray walked into Netta's room to find her frantically packing up her things When she asked her what was wrong, she said that she had been physically attacked by several people on the island. And this had scared her so bad that she was going to get the ferry back to mainland Scotland later on that day. But the family warned her that it was Sunday and there were no ferries operating on a Sunday. Netta was so shook up by this incident that she told them she didn't care and she set off to the ferry port regardless. A few hours went by and eventually... She did get fed up waiting and decided to return to the McRae home, seeming to be in a much calmer state than she was previously. When she got back home, she told the family that she no longer wished to leave and she thought that the best thing that she could do at this time was take a nice, long, relaxing walk around the island to clear her mind and just centre herself again. So that's exactly what she did, off she went and that was fine. On the 18th of November, the very next day, one of the McRae family knocked on Netta's door just to kind of check on her and see if she felt any better and see if she had calmed down but there was absolutely no answer. After a few knocks, they decided the best thing to do would be to enter the room just in case something bad had happened and, you know, something had happened in her sleep or during the night but when they entered, Netta was nowhere to be found. Now the room itself was very tidy, there was nothing out of place, there was no obvious signs that something was wrong or that there had been a struggle, nothing like that. A few hours went by and the family started to become very concerned as Neta hadn't come home and while asking around the village, nobody had seen her. So at this point, they kind of think the best thing to do is just get their boots on, get out there, walk around, see if they can see her, just in case she had got any an accident or something bad had happened. Um, but they really couldn't find anything. They asked around and nobody had seen her, nobody had heard anything, so they just kind of had to go back home and just wait. It wasn't until the next day on the 19th of November that Netta would eventually be found. Unfortunately, Neta was found dead at the age of 33 in the middle of a local farmer's field by two local men. Now, the actual location where she was found was very close to a fairy mound, which are, they're kind of just like hills or mounds, and they're usually near the remains of an ancient structure that's kind of been taken back by nature, and naturally, it just kind of takes the shape of a mound. But stories of folklore say that these mounds are the homes of fairies, or they are portals to the other realms. So there are mythical or magical ties to this location where she was found. At the scene, there was a knife nearby and a cross had been cut into the hillside with probably the same knife. Now, occultists claim that the ritual of carving a cross into a hillside is used when trying to contact the fairy realm. So again, we have these ties back to fairies and magic. So we do have, this is a, a recurrent theme. Her body was found wearing a large black cloak under which she was completely naked and her feet were covered in small scratches, which I can easily see being a result of kind of walking through the grass and fields to get to this mound. If you've ever walked on dry, that crispy grass with no shoes on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's kind of like walking on pins that are broken glass so I can see where the small scratches would have come from. The autopsy couldn't really pin down an exact time of death they could only state that she had died between the 17th and the 19th, which we already knew from the McRae's statement. It was also concluded that she died of exposure. In November here in Scotland, it is absolutely bitter. It does drop below freezing and in the winter. And I live in central Scotland, like I live in the city, and it is absolutely frozen, so I cannot imagine how cold it would be in the Hebrides up north where it's proper cold, and I just definitely couldn't imagine walking around with absolutely nothing on but a cloak in that kind of weather. So on the surface, this does look like a simple death. woman wanders outside in the cold and dies of exposure, but the strange thing for me is why did Netta wander all the way out there to that specific spot with no clothes on and just essentially she lay down and she died? That is essentially what she did. Now, I think there are a few strange things that happened prior to her death and after that I would like to talk about because I do think that they're worth mentioning. Firstly, when Netta died, she had a very large sum of money in her estate, which in today's money does come in at around £25,000. And as I said at the beginning, Netta was a very well-known member of the Occult Society in London at the time, so everyone that she came into contact with probably knew that she had money. Now, I'm not really sure who the money went to after she passed. I really couldn't find any information on that, but I would just assume that it would have went back into the family estate. She did claim on several occasions that people were trying to mess with her mentally, and she even said people were trying to physically attack her on the island the day before she died. When some of the locals were interviewed, they claimed to have seen a large man in a black cape wandering around the location where Netawa's bodies was found. Now I'm not saying that this was a murder, I think it's just worth mentioning that there was another person seen at the site where she was found and she was stating that she was being both physically and mentally attacked, so I think that that is worth mentioning. When the police searched Netta's room, they confiscated several letters that Netta had written and they were passed to procure fiscal for court consideration, but no official police investigation was ever conducted into her death. In one of her letters to her landlady back in London, she claimed that certain people were affecting her telepathically. Which I will be honest, the practices that Neta was involved in, and the friends that she had and the circles that she ran in, it is completely easy for me to believe that this could have been a possibility that people were messing with her mentally. Um, but how? I mean, like, how would you even go about trying to prove that? Like, how would you prove that people were? mentally you know like kind of toying with her or you know trying to contact her I, I don't know like how would you even prove that I also think it's bizarre that she was naked because from the stories that I've read and I've collated all this information and in this one you know report kind of thing the McRae family spoke to Neta before she left the house that night and she wasn't naked she was fully clothed she'd had to have her black cloak on but she was fully clothes, shoes, the whole shebang shaboodle. But when she was found, she was absolutely, she was completely naked. But her clothes weren't at the scene. And she had no shoes on, but they were never found. And I just think that is so bizarre. Like, why was that never looked into? Like, were they ever found? Where did they find them? Um, I couldn't find anything online about that. But I also think that that's very bizarre. But I do think it is very important to talk about the health aspects of this case. If you remember earlier, I mentioned that Nate's jewellery was turning black, and when I looked into this, I didn't find any supernatural explanations for this, but I did manage to find a medical explanation. There is a condition called acidosis, which is where the body fluids contain a wee, a wee bit too much acid, which can cause other medical conditions, such as diabetes, among a lot of other things. And there are several symptoms of this condition, including confusion, paranoia, anxiety, you know, like, things like that, um, it can also cause silver jewellery to go black as the body does try to get rid of the excess acid through the skin. So it could be the case that Netta was sick, Um, maybe she had was suffering from this condition, and should have been seeking the help of a doctor, but sadly we will never know, the autopsy never revealed any of this, and on the subject of health, We definitely do need to mention mental health. It is very possible that Nita could have been suffering from some sort of mental illness. This kind of like falling into trances, talking in tongues and ramblings is a bit unusual. As well as the wandering around the island not really knowing where or what she's doing. Um, Mental illness wasn't really a thing that was taken seriously during this time period. And mental illness wasn't really a thing that was taken very seriously during this time period. You know, sadly, many times it would just be that the person would be told they were possessed or they were they had to be locked up in a mental asylum um, and they were never really treated. It wasn't, mental illness wasn't really treated. It was just kind of like, lock them up, forget about them, they're not causing any issues and that was that. But I think in this case, it is perfectly plausible that Neta could have been suffering from some sort of mental illness and this could definitely contributed to her death. Me personally, I think that Naya may have been suffering health wise, whether that be mental or physical. Like I said, I think she was suffering in some way, and she had, you know, the best intentions that night to go out, clear her head, go out to this fairy mound, do like some sort of ritual or whatever she was planning and doing out there. And sadly, something happened. Well, she was trying to get from A to B. Um, she may have had an episode, or you know, that she, I mean, there could have been foul play involved. There's, that could is perfectly believable for me. And sadly, it has just resulted in a, in her death. Whether it was magic at play, untreated mental illness, or just an accident, Netta's death was tragic, and it was a shock to the inhabitants of the island. They weren't really used to seeing things like this. So her body was buried in a small grave on the island where she has a small gravestone that is still very visible today where people still leave gifts and flowers for her. So if you ever get the chance to visit the island, please do it and even leave net a little gift while you're there or say hi. The island of Iona itself is a very mystical place and I am currently looking into other things in relation to this place. It's kind of like a hotbed for folklore and mythical creatures which I just absolutely love. I must say that doing this podcast has really made me fall in love with where I live. I always thought that Scotland was just this little country where there wasn't much to do, there wasn't much to see, but I could not have been more wrong. And it has actually made me so proud to be Scottish and to say that I come from this little country. There's just so many beautiful places to see and just... The folklore and the mythical creatures, the things that you hear, you don't really hear a lot of that from other places and I just, I don't know, I just feel like I come from a very magical place, that might sound cheesy but it is looking at these things and going through all these stories, it made me fall in love with my country which I know that's really cheesy but you know, get over it. That is all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed hearing Ned's story and if you've ever been to Iona, please get in contact or send me some pictures. I absolutely adore the place. I really want to go. So I'm hoping that I can do that sometime soon. And I will see all you guys next week. Stay weird, stay scared. Bye bye now.